Good morning, good morning, good morning. How's everyone doing today, good? Let's give it up for Jesus in the house this morning. Man, that's awesome, awesome, awesome. So I, I, uh, I watch these TV shows with my wife sometimes and uh, fellas, you're gonna know what I'm talking about when I say this, but Ashley likes to watch some of the TV shows that I more or less endure. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So. She, uh, so we were watching this one show and it was called Once Upon a Time, you may have heard of it. Pretty much it's this TV show made up of all the fairy tales you've ever heard as a child. Now keep in mind, as boys, we hated the fairy tales as a child. So this is like a 37 season TV show of all these things put together, right? So I'm miserable for seasons, okay? But so we were watching one of the episodes and, and in one of the episodes they start to talk about uh, the way that the season is about to end. And because of the way the season is about to end, they, they don't like what's about to happen in this one particular story. And so they think to themselves, I know what we need to do. What we need to do is we need to go find the author because all of the seasons are based on, on, on a fairy tale book. So they believe that if they can find the author of the book, they can change the outcome of the season. You guys with me today? And what I wanna to talk to you about today is the idea that if we can connect to the author of our life, we can change the outcome of our story. And for us, what many of us find ourselves doing is buying into the lies in our mind that distract us from who God already says we are. And so today we wanna to talk about how we can do that. Let's start with our opening verse today. Romans 8 says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who, are, uh, those who are in Christ Jesus. How many are glad that there's no condemnation for those who Jesus is the Lord of their life? Come on, somebody. Like, I, I grew up in the church where it wasn't until Jesus came and, came and radically transformed your life, that's when the condemnation started. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like, how many of y'all are glad that Jesus doesn't wait, Jesus doesn't try to clean you up before he catches you, he catches you and then cleans you up, right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Like, so we get to walk in freedom today of who Jesus is. For those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Then it says, for to set the mind, or sorry, it says, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit, right? For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is, say this with me, life and peace. In other words, what many of us are looking for today is we're looking for more life and more peace in our thoughts. How many of us, well, we don't, you don't have to raise your hand, but would acknowledge, man, I wrestle with so many things inside of my own mind. And one of the things that I need is I need some life and peace. I need life-giving statements. I need life-affirming things, thoughts to be in my mind. And I need more peace about where I'm at, what I'm doing. And what we find ourselves, we find ourselves wrestling with our thoughts over who we are, who God says we are versus what people or we say that we are. And what happens is we start to believe lies that either we tell ourselves or other people tell us about ourselves. And I wanted to look at a few of those lies. Some of the image, I want to start with image lies. So these are self-image things. These are value. This is, this is what we believe about ourselves, right? Number one is that I'm not valuable. We, we believe the lie that we're not worth anything. We're not valuable. We don't have any, there's no point to us being here. 
So we lack value. The next one is I'm too messed up. How many of y'all ever bought into it? Like, I'm just way too messed up. Now, some of y'all got some family that's too messed up. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Like, but some of us believe the lie that I'm just too messed up. Too messed up for what? For whatever it is that you think you can't do because of your mess. Next, I'm not enough for them, whoever them, who, who is the people you're trying to prove something to in your life? I'm not enough for them, so I'm not enough for him. Many of us believe that we're not good enough for God because we're not good enough for the people who tell us we're not enough for them. And so we want to tear down that lie. Next, I'm the only one that's like this. How many, how many of us, I sat down with someone just this past week and they were telling me like, man, I'm the only, I feel like I'm the only person that's going through this. I'm like, not only are you not the only one going through what you're going through, you're not the only one today to sit in that chair at my desk going through what you're going through. And how the enemy loves to make us feel like we're the only ones struggling with whatever we're struggling with. Hey, and the enemy loves to make us feel like we're the only one with the problem that we have. He loves to make us feel like we're the only ones that's hurting. We're the only ones that's dealing with whatever pain we're dealing with. In actuality, your pain is not unique, but your purpose is. I'm the only one like this. Next, I'm too jacked up for God to save me. I'm too messed up. I got too much going on for God to save me. Right? But Jeremiah 1.5 in the Living Bible paraphrase says this, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I sanctified you. And sanctified means to set apart. In other words, before you were born, I set you apart for a particular purpose. So I set you apart and appointed you as my spokesman to the world. In other words, I already had a plan for you before you were ever even born. So all these lies of who were not, God is already saying before you were even born, I already said that you were. Next, Psalms 139 says this, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. See, some of us buy into the lie. We, we, the, the lie that's in our mind is that what we're doing or who we are or because of what we've done, it changes what our value is. All of those lies start to circulate and we think that our sin and our circumstances and our situations have caught God off guard. Like, man, I got, I got myself into this mess. And because I got myself into this mess, I'm not worth anything. Because I'm not worth anything, God doesn't want anything to do with me. Because God doesn't want anything to do with me, I might as well just quit now because I have no purpose. And all that is coming back from the original lie that says that your sin caught God off guard. That my situation, my pain, my struggle, what I go through has caught God and put him in a situation where he's got to go, now what do I got to do with Brad? In reality, all of my days were numbered before I even saw one of them. Then he goes on to say this, how precious, this is the psalmist talking to God, how precious are your thoughts about me, God. And he, this is him talking, he's, he's going through his struggle, he's going through his situations, but he's saying, how precious are your thoughts about me. And for a moment, right there where you sit, I don't want you to say it out loud, but I want you to think for a second, how precious are your thoughts about me, God. Don't, don't think about your brokenness. Don't think about your frailties. Don't think about your failures or your pains or your situations. For a moment, think about the fact that God loves you, not because you're perfect, but in spite of the fact that you're not. 
They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them, talking about his thoughts about us. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. In other words, God sees you as valuable. But the next thing I want to look at is execution lies. So we've got image lies, but then we've got execution lies. And these are the lies that we try, we try to perform, we try to act, we try to create, we try to do. And if we can do well enough, then we know that we've earned it. So let's look at some of these. Number one, if I'm good enough at this, then they won't see that. If I'm good enough at this part of my life, if I'm a good enough parent, if I'm a good enough spouse, if I'm a good enough CEO, if my business is doing well enough, if I earn enough money, if I, if I do all of this, they won't see this broken part of me. And we try to hide our brokenness behind the, we try to hide the brokenness that does matter behind the parts of us that don't. It's quiet in here today, y'all. Next, I can prove them wrong by accomplishing this. First of all, who is them? And why do you think you need to accomplish something to change their mind about you? Pastor Dan has a saying, and I've adopted it over the years, that you're, Your friends don't want an explanation and your enemies don't need one. So who are we trying to prove something to? But more importantly, what is it that makes us think we need to accomplish something to add value to who we are? There's nothing you can execute in your life that's going to make God think more highly of you than he already does. Next, when I overcome this struggle, then I'll be good enough. How many of us would be honest enough with ourselves to say, like, man, I don't struggle with everything in life? So I sit down with so many people that say, if I could just beat this one thing in my life, I'd be a perfect Christian. How many of us, someone's like, man, I might have two or five, you know, but, but oftentimes people go, Pastor, there's just this one thing. If I could just beat this one thing, I'd be so good. Like, if I could just beat this one thing, I would be a perfect Christian. Can I tell you something today? I just want to give you some wisdom. You're never going to beat it. Because it's never about the destination. It's always about the pursuit. Because if we could, listen to me, if you could beat that thing and then in turn become perfect in your eyes, your self-righteousness about your obtaining perfection would then in turn become the very thing you would have to defeat. Therefore, you will never be good enough In your eyes, what you have to realize and what we want to show you today is that you're already good enough in God's. So why do you have to prove it to anyone else? Next, this is one of my favorites. I'm just tired. Where are my just tired people at, right? Not like physically sleepy, but but once I get that, I'll be good enough. I once heard someone say, People that are always tired don't have the humility to acknowledge the real problem. You can run into people, I'm just tired. I'm just tired. Well, you were just tired yesterday and the day before that and the day before that. The real problem is you're trying to be something or someone that you're not or you're trying so hard to obtain something in your life that you'll never actually obtain that you're exhausted at the idea that you feel like you'll never be good enough. But once I get that, well, what is that? All the things we think matter that really don't. How many guys, I, I've sat down with millionaires that had cars that were miserable, that have had five houses and they were miserable. You want to know why? True fulfillment doesn't come from obtaining things. True fulfillment is found in your value in God's eyes. 
When you see you the way God sees you, you don't need to obtain anything else for your value to be at its highest point. Next, my sins are just too bad for God to save me. I've just gone too far. I've done too many bad things, Pastor. You just don't know. You're right, I don't know. I've just gone, I've sinned too much. I I want to phrase something for you for just a second. Can you imagine the audacity it must take out of a human being to assume that in our finite life and wisdom, that the speck of time that our life takes up on the time frame of God's creation to his destination of ending all things, that in of ourself, that we could think that when God became man and lived a perfect life, then went to the cross, for the world to see what grace and mercy and love looked like that when his compassion absorbed the penalty of sin into his very framework of who he was and then God poured out wrath and judgment on him and in that moment he paid the price that you and I could never pay for ourselves. that when God did that a human being could assume that their sin is more valuable than the price Jesus paid. How could we think that our sin is more valuable than Jesus' sacrifice? Today, you are not out sinning grace. Now, don't get me wrong. Then Jesus comes in and says, go and sin no more. But to think to ourselves that we could out sin and outvalue the blood of Jesus Christ with our failures means that our life is worth more than his. Can I tell you something? Your value is not higher than Jesus, but it is higher than your failures. We need to start recognizing who Jesus already says that we are. Second Colossians 2, 9 and 10 says this, for in Christ, there is all of God in a human body. So you have everything when you have Christ. You have everything when you have Christ. I'm going to say it again. You have everything that you need. Every accomplishment you feel like you need to fulfill, you don't because you already have Christ. Everything you need to buy so that you can have value, you don't because you already have Christ. Raising your kids, marrying the right spouse, having the right job, climbing the corporate ladder doesn't mean anything because you already have everything when you have Christ. Does it mean we don't obtain those things or strive for those things? Of course not. But when we do it, we do it in the grace of being accepted, not so that we can become accepted. And you are filled with God through your union with Christ. He is the highest ruler over every other power and authority. Even the power and the authority that our thoughts have in our own life. This quote by Tim Keller is one of my favorite. It says this, put it up there guys. The most damaging statements that have ever been said about us are those things we have said about ourselves to ourselves. In other words, the lies that other people say about us aren't even as damaging as the ones that we lie to ourselves about. So we find ourselves in this position where we feel like we have to prove it. And, and this is what we do. It's the reason we have these mirrors up here. This is what we do in our mirrors, right? So we come to our mirrors and, and as we stand in front of our mirrors, we, we see the areas of our life that we, that we love, the areas of our life that, that we're accepted, the areas of our life that we, that we like. 
Hey, but how many, guys, how many guys know that when we look in the mirror, you see all the good stuff? Y'all with me? Like, hey, you, we see the good stuff when we're, when we're looking in the mirror. So we, we look in the mirror and, and we see, man, I, I see what I like. I, I see the areas of me. And th- this, is, this is how God sees us. He sees us as a reflection of who Jesus is. So when Jesus went to the cross and he paid the price for us, what now he has done is he has paid the ultimate price. So when Jesus sees us, he sees the reflection of Jesus. And so we go in and we look in the mirror and say, man, I, I like what I see here. I, 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 I can see. I, I can see some flaws, but you know what? Because I can see how much God loves me. I'm okay with these flaws. I'm okay with this brokenness because I see that God loves me. And so I, I see the areas of my life that God is pointing out I need to fix. But at the end of the day, I'm confident in this. The problem is what the enemy and what others would like to do is they would like us to take a step back from the mirror that God sees us in. And they would like us to start showing us mirrors around us that show us the flaws about us that we don't like. The enemy and the lies that come into our mind, what other people say about us and the lies that we tell ourselves about us as the enemy implants those thoughts into our brain, what happens is we start to see the things about us, the flaws, and those become our identity, not what God tells us our identity is. I'm in this little weight loss journey. I say little because I haven't made it as far as I want to. Yeah. Yeah. Because pizza's good, so it is what it is, right? So, but, so we're, well, we're working on it, you know? The devil was a lie. He put some sushi in front of me last night, and I just, you know, I just fell into temptation. I don't know what to tell you. But anyway, so, but here's the deal. In this journey, what happens is, is uh, when you stand in front of the mirror, you can see all the things about you that you affirm. Like, oh, yeah, yeah, I can see, you know, man, I feel like I feel good about me. But y'all know when y'all see that, that mirror you didn't know was there catching the side view of you, you're like, oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, I didn't even know that was there. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That's what the enemy does with our minds. See, we're looking in the mirror of God's view of us, and we see value, and we see every. And as long as we stay fixed on what God says we are, we're good. But the minute we start looking at the other angles of our spiritual life that the enemy wants to tell us that we're not who he says we are, the enemy wants to tell us that our value isn't high enough, we start to see the areas of our life that we know need help. And do we need to continue to let Jesus change them? Absolutely. We need to surrender them to the Lord. We need to let him transform those areas of our life that we know are our weak spots. We need to give those lies to him. But what we don't have to do is identify ourselves in the side view mirrors of our life. We need to identify ourselves in the mirror that God shows us that we are valuable. We are his. We belong to Jesus, that our value is high enough, that our worth is high enough. Why? Because Jesus dictated our price on the cross. There is nothing you can add to your life that makes you more valuable than the price that's already been paid for you at Calvary. So how do we destroy the lies that the enemy tries to put in our mind? I want to give you these quickly. And, and these are the, the ways that we destroy the lies. The first way, what we're going to do is reverse engineer this. So we're going to talk about the end destination and we're going to work backwards with what it would take to accomplish that. The first one is authentic flourishing. That's not it. Authentic flourishing. 
that we need to be in a place where we are authentically and genuinely flourishing in who God has destined and purposed and built us to be. That there's a life that waits for you where flourishing is an option. There's a, a life that waits for you where you don't have to prove yourself. You don't have to prove your value. You don't have to prove your worth. You don't have to prove that Jesus did anything. You just get to be who God created you to be and you get to walk, not fighting the lies of the enemy. You get to exist in the value that Jesus has already established for you. And so authentic flourishing comes, Matthew 5, 11 and 12. And this is one of the ways. And how many, as many of you have heard the Beatitudes, like you've heard, blessed are those, right? And all the Beatitudes start with the term blessed. So blessed are those that et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The truest translation of the word that they put on blessed, the truest translation of that word is actually flourishing. Because, and here's why I wanted to point that out. When they put the word down blessed, that makes it sound like there is something that we do to step into that. But flourishing is something that God has already done for us to step into that. In other words, it's not on us to accomplish this. God has already accomplished this for us. So it's not blessed are you because you would do those things. It's flourishing are you because God has already done these things. So flourishing are you when others revile you and persecute you. And this is the part, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. What are some of the biggest lies we have to overcome? The lies we tell ourselves that God thinks about us. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven, right? Next, authentic, authentic fulfillment, authentic fulfillment. So there's authentic flourishing, but authentic flourishing where you're living the life that flourishing is an option for you comes through authentic fulfillment, which is this life where you're genuinely making a difference in the lives of other people. The greatest fulfillment we can have in our life, in our spirit, is to know that we're making a difference in the lives of someone else. That the hope that we have becomes the hope that someone else can receive. That the joy that we have becomes the joy that someone else can receive. That you don't have to walk with your head hung low because you don't believe the truth. That Jesus has already established your value and your freedom and everything that you need. Jesus has already made it available for you. What you have to do is believe that it's yours. First Peter 2 says this. He says, you have been chosen by God himself. You are priests of the king. You are holy and pure. You are God's very own. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're God's very own. You are God's very own. All this so that you may show to others how God called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Like you're his. You should walk around differently when you know who you are. You should walk around differently when you know who you belong to. Next, authentic freedom. So we have authentic flourishing, but authentic flourishing comes through authentic fulfillment and authentic fulfillment comes through authentic freedom. And are all of these words going to start with F? Absolutely. Because it's just a thing that I have. Okay, I can't fix it. It's just, it is what it is. Authentic freedom. But here's the deal. The reason why we added the words authentic is because there is a fake 
fulfillment. There is a fake flourishing. See, some people think that flourishing exists within the context of things that we can obtain, things that we can buy, things that we can do. True flourishing doesn't come at the hands of ourselves. True flourishing comes at the hand of a Savior who already paid the price for you at Calvary that you don't have to obtain, you don't have to perform, you don't have to do, you don't have to become, you already are. Jesus dictates your value, uh, the price that you've already been paid for. Like You are already everything that he has set out to make you, and you have already been bought with the price that he has paid for you. Therefore, you can't add value to you. Jesus created value in you. So there's a, there's a false flourishing, but then there's authentic flourishing. There's a false fulfillment, but then there's the authentic fulfillment. Then there's false freedom, but then there's an authentic freedom. And authentic freedom comes when we truly release ourselves from the plans that the enemy wants to dictate our value in our minds with what so-and-so has done to us in the past. Here's the question I have for you. Who owns your mind right now? And you could answer that question with, who do you have something to prove to? Maybe your, your mom or your dad hurt you a long time ago. Maybe an aunt or an uncle hurt you a long time ago. Maybe, maybe someone, something happened in your life and, and you even feel like you've got something to prove to God. You feel like you're going to stick it to him. You're going to stick it to that person. You get, who is it that needs to be forgiven in your life? And until the day comes that you learn to forgive them for the areas of your life that you feel like are broken, you will never truly walk in the fulfillment and the flourishing that God has for you until you move into the freedom that God once for you. I knew it would be quiet. Here's why. Because what many of us do is we say, no, 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 I've forgiven that person. I'm good. Until you see him in Walmart tomorrow. <laughs> like, your day is good. Pushing that buggy. Mm. Maybe you got some, some jams in your head. Got your earbuds in. And you see them on that aisle. Like, nope, not today. We're just going to pick a different one, boys. We don't need that deodorant that bad, okay? <laughs> and listen to me. We laugh, but it's true. No, no, no. I have forgiven them. Have you? Because you're still letting them live rent-free in your mind. You can scroll through Facebook and see them post a picture, and they're at Disney World, and they're happy, and they're smiling, and bitterness and anger and resentment rises up in your heart, and you can't sleep for the next three days, and guess what? They're sleeping fine. They're toying you like a yo-yo. You're a puppet on a string and they control your direction because you haven't released them yet. Forgiveness isn't for them. Forgiveness is for you. Because the sooner you let them go, it doesn't mean anything for them. The sooner you forgive them, the sooner you free yourself. Pastor, you don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. But I can promise you it wasn't putting you on a cross for the world to see. So let them go. Because the sooner you free them, the sooner fulfillment and flourishing are an option for you. Right? Galatians 5.1 says this. Christ has set us free to live a free life. So take your stand. Never again let anyone put a harness of slavery on you. 
Never again let someone stay rent-free in your mind and torment you with the lies that you are not something that you already are because God has already said that you are. Next, authentic foundation. So there's an authentic flourishing that is available to us, but we only get that when we're living with authentic fulfillment, a life that we can't wake up to live. But that can only happen when we step and deal with our yesterday because in our yesterday, the damage that happened in our yesterday, for your yesterday, it could have been 10 years ago, it could be 20 years ago, it could truly be yesterday. Wherever the damage was that has now defined who you are today, if you don't deal with your yesterday, then you'll never flourish in your tomorrow until you give what happened to you over to the Lord and say, I don't want to carry this anymore. I don't want to carry the weight. I don't want to carry the heaviness. I'm turning this over to you for you to have. I'm giving it back to you. I'm forgiving them. Until you release that, you'll never live a life flourishing. You'll never live a life fulfilled. But when you can step into true freedom that only comes through Jesus, but that happens when you have an authentic foundation that your life with God is built on. You're not building your life with God on the checklist of the boxes of the do's and the don'ts. Your authentic foundation, because there's a false foundation that says you got to earn what God has for you. There's a false foundation that says you got to be good enough for what God has for you. There's a false foundation that says God hates you. There's a false foundation that says you got to make sure you put on the right kind of clothes before you show up to church. Thank God that ain't here. Okay, somebody, there's a false foundation that says that if you don't become this, this, and this, then you can't become who God has. There's a false foundation that says that you got to clean yourself up before God can do something with you. In reality, God always puts the fish in the boat before he cleans the fish. Come on, somebody. There's, an, there's a false foundation that says you're not when you already are. The authentic foundation says that God destined you before you were ever formed in the womb of your mother. Amen. Your purpose was already defined. You've got nothing to prove to anyone. First John 3 says this. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That's why I love that song today. I'm a child of God. Yes, I am. Because I don't know about you. And for some of you, maybe your relationship with your father is broken. I, love, I was raised by a phenomenal father where I didn't have anything to prove. I, just, I was his, good or bad, right or wrong. I knew I could come home to a father that loved me. Maybe that wasn't the case for you. But I'm telling you right now, your heavenly father is so much better than anything you could have imagined that your earthly father should have been. As good of a father as I know I had doesn't compare to our heavenly father that looks at us through the eyes of love and grace and mercy. Ephesians 1, 5 and 6 says this, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. By bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. The next one, go ahead and put it up there, guys. Authentic faith. See, we, we want authentic flourishing, but that's going to come through true fulfillment. Authentic fulfillment. And that's going to come when we deal with our yesterday and we get freed from what we're dealing with. And in that freedom, that's going to come when we understand that we don't have to prove that we are gods. We just have to understand that the real God that we love has already made us his own. And that comes through authentic faith. Hebrews 11.1 1 says this, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, but the evidence of things not seen. 
And as I got ready for, for this, I, I started preparing what I want to talk about, the authentic faith. And I came across this song by Beautiful Eulogy, and it had a spoken word in it. And I was like, this guy is way better than I am. I'm going to just let him tell you guys. So go ahead and roll it, guys. Check out this video. What is authentic faith? The cultivation of an optimistic outlook on life with a kind of spirituality attached to it? A holy hoping for the best? Is this how you think of faith? Authentic faith is the confident assurance in events not yet seen. Faith is not a call to believe in things when common sense tells you not to. Faith is not a mindless stab in the dark. It is not a crossing of the fingers and hoping for the best. It is not a leap into apparent nothingness. It's a word that speaks of reasoned, careful, deliberate, intentional thought. Thought upon what? God and His promises. If you are absolutely gripped by the coming realities that have been promised to you by God, then how you live your life in the present will be radically different than if you did not possess such certainty. This is what faith is, my friends. Positive certainty expressed in action. Authentic faith is not merely believing in God. It is believing God. Taking God at his word, living in obedience to his revelation, whatever the cost, because you know down deep in your bones that God will always do what he says, that his speaking is his doing. It is an abiding assurance in God and his promises that animates you to persevere in your obedience to him. Do you wish to be a more consistently obedient, steadily persevering Christian? A stronger Christian? A more courageous and outspoken Christian? Then you need to strengthen your faith. Your faith instinctively strengthens in direct proportion to the expansion of the object of your faith. You expand your understanding of the object of your faith and faith itself will obediently follow. The object of your faith, if indeed you are a Christian, is Jesus Christ and all of his promises. Is your faith weak? It is owing to the fact that you don't know the object of your faith well enough. But when Jesus Christ becomes progressively bigger, or better yet, your understanding of who he is progressively conforms to reality, your faith will become increasingly stronger. But how does that happen? by immersing yourself in the faith-arousing Word of God. Read of Jesus Christ. The same powerful Word that long ago brought the universe to life is the same Word that can bring you to life and furnish you with a faith that is truly and authentically Christian. Yeah, absolutely. So here's my... Here's what I want to give you as we wrap this up today. Authentic faith comes from understanding exactly who God is. And I love one of my favorite lines in that video or in that song is he says that authentic faith is not merely believing in God. It is believing God. 
And if it's believing God, that means that what he has said is already true. Listen, folks, in this deal that we, in Christianity, either it's all true or none of it's true. My wife is a beautiful, beautiful woman right here on the front row. Uh, You can give it up for my wife. She's amazing. Thank you very much. She hates it when I do that. So I do that all the time. Um, She's a fox. Anyway, so, uh, but she looks considerably younger than me. Um, she's not, she's like four months younger than me. She just turned 31 July 1st. Hey. But uh, when we go out to restaurants and stuff, you can see people like, mm, um, cause she looks 21 or younger. Anyways, but she was, she was looking in the mirror the other day and she was, she, uh, she hates when I tell these stories, but she was looking in the mirror and she was like, oh my gosh. And I was like, what, 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 you know, like, and, uh, she was like, I have a wrinkle. I was like, oh, great. You, you look 23 now instead of like, what, like what, are you, what are you talking about? And she was like, oh, I see this wrinkle. And I was like, what are you talking about? And she was like, you don't see this wrinkle? And, this, and she started pointing to things on, like, that she didn't like about herself. She was identifying all these things. And she's like, you don't see this? And I was like, no. Number one, all I see is beauty. But said, number one, all I, like, you're, you're beautiful. And she was like, no, but I can see all these things that I don't like about myself. And that's when the Lord spoke to me about this sermon today. And he said, you keep seeing the flaws in you, but you don't see the beauty in you that I see in you. You don't see you the way I see you, only you see the flaws. And we keep thinking that people see us a certain way and we feel like we've got to overcompensate for how other people see us. We have to overcompensate for the way we feel like God sees us in reality. We don't have to do any of those things because God sees us as perfection in Christ. When we put our faith in Jesus, now we're a reflection of Jesus. When God looks at you, he doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see your falls. He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your sins. He sees his son. I remember when I was younger, we'll give you this last story and then we'll close. I remember when I was younger, we, uh, me and my sister, we were playing in the front yard. I was probably five. We were playing in the front yard and, and uh, I was just learning how to play t-ball. So I was hitting the, the, the ball off the tee where I was giving it a good try. And so uh, I kept missing and she said, here, give me that bat, I'll, I'll show you. And I don't remember why I thought it was a good idea to run towards her as she was swinging that bat, but I did. She caught me right here in the eye. And, and as she, she caught me in the eye, um, I'm pretty convinced that like my parents just didn't think it was a big deal. You know what I mean? They were just like, put some ice on it. You know, maybe we didn't have insurance back then. I don't know what's going on, but, but they were like, so we, we put ice, I don't call it like DCS or anything. I'm grown now, but, but I was, I was, I remember they were, we put ice on it and it was black for like a week, you know? Well, then I, I, I went to, I remember I was playing basketball in high school and I went to go see a doctor one time. Something happened and I had to go see the doctor. And he can't, he, they had to do an x-ray on my face. And they said, he said, when did, when did you break that bone in your face? And I was like, uh-huh. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like I would have known that, you know? And he was like, no, there's like, there's trauma, there's cracks. There's, I can tell you've broken a bone in your face before. 
And I was like, I don't know. And I remembered getting hit in the face with that bat. And I was like, man. And uh, he showed me a picture and, and none of you will ever see this. And if you do, if I catch you staring, I'm gonna say something, okay? But my left eye sits lower than my right eye does, just barely from the injury that happened. And, and it's, it's not noticeable. Like even I have to be like, like look in the mirror, you know, he was showing me a picture and I was like, huh? You know, like, and, but I was looking at it and, and sure enough, I can, I can see it when I look at it. But none of you ever noticed it. Some of you have been in, you know, I think, I think about Van. I've known Van since I was six years old. I can promise you should never been like, I think one of your eyes is lower. But you sit in the mirror long enough and you start to see the brokenness. And today, I just want to give you a plea from my heart today. That I believe many of you are on the brink, and I hate the word breakthrough, but I'm going to use it. I believe many of you are on the brink of a breakthrough in your spiritual walk with the Lord. And the thing that's separating you is something in the past, some sort of brokenness, some sort of failure, some sort of fall, some sort of hurt, something happened to you, or, or maybe you, you, you messed up so bad you feel like God can't do whatever it is that he wants to do with you. And, and, and so what happens is because you see the brokenness when you look in your mirror, you would rather turn away from God than let him see it. In reality, he's always known it was there. He didn't call you in spite, or he didn't call you, sorry, he didn't turn away from you because of your sin. He called you in spite of it. He's, he's, he's not looking for a way to disqualify you. He's looking, he's already found the way to qualify you. And that's through Jesus on the cross. And my plea today is that many of you would hear and see and understand that God is looking for a way to show you he loves you today. And today, as we leave this place, I wanna encourage you. I wanna speak life into you and declare over you identity. And so let's pray today. Father, we declare right now over each and every person that authentic flourishing, fulfillment, freedom, foundation, faith is all found at the cross, that our value is already determined, that our purpose has already been set before us. Before we were even born, you already had a plan for us, a purpose for us, and all we have to do is walk in it. And we thank you, God, we love you today. God, I pray that those whose value has been lower than what you have called them to, they would see that you are breathing new life into them. And we thank you, God. Today, if you're sitting in this place and, and we need to hit step one, I want flourishing, I want fulfillment, I want freedom, I want a foundation, but I gotta start with my faith. And today, I don't know that Jesus is the Lord of my life. Today, I honestly could say that Maybe I've been religious, maybe I've had good practices, maybe I've tried, but I've never given my life to Jesus. I've never surrendered to the call on my life. But today, I wanna put my faith in Jesus. Today, I wanna give him everything. And if that's you today, you say, I wanna give my life to Jesus. I wanna follow him. I want him to wash my sins away. I wanna be done with those, but I wanna go after Jesus with everything that's in me. If that's you, I wanna pray for you today. And I'm not gonna to come to you, I'm not gonna embarrass you, I'm not gonna point you out. But I do wanna acknowledge that Jesus is doing something different in your life. And if that's you, right where you sit, with every head bowed and all the eyes closed in this place, if you want Jesus to take control of your life, will you raise your hand right where you're at? 
God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. So I want Jesus to take control, Pastor. I'm tired of trying to do this on my own. I want him to take control. Once you put it up, you can put it down. Maybe you're watching us online. You're saying, that's me, Pastor. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give him my everything. I'm, I'm tired of trying to do it my way, and I'm ready to start doing it his way. And if that's you today, we want to pray for you. And what we're going to do is we're actually going to pray together. We want, what, what we want you to do is declare with your mouth what you're already believing in your heart. You see, your faith in Christ alone is what makes you saved. Grace has been released into your life. But we want to put words to our actions. And we want to confess what we're believing in our heart. And so we're going to pray a prayer with you. We want you to repeat after me. And the whole church is going to do it with you so you're not by yourself. So church, let's pray with our brothers and sisters. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. Forgive me my sins. Forgive me my wrongs. Make me clean. Make me pure. Make me whole. I believe that you died on the cross and I believe that you rose three days later through your life, through your death and through your resurrection, I can be saved. So I believe in you and I wanna follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. TC, let's put our hands together for all those that prayed that for after the very first time. Awesome, awesome, awesome.